welcome to the first official podcast of Discover Rising Tides, how the outside makes the inside better, where we explore the importance of the outdoors and maintaining life balance. So through this series, we'll be talking to women business owners and understand their journey. So I'm excited to introduce to you today, Carla McClure, who is a licensed acupuncturist and a Chinese medicine doctor. And I'm gonna read a little bit of information because there's a lot to unpack here. So um, she's a local practitioner of Chinese medicine, which includes acupuncture, herbal medicine, diet and nutrition, meditation, and Chinese exercise, such as Qigong and Tai Chi. In addition to seeing patients, Carla does teach Qigong and meditation classes and classes on Chinese medical theory and acupressure for anyone who wants to learn more. She's licensed to practice in California, Nevada, and holds a national diplomat certification in oriental medicine from the NCCAOM. So now that we have that out of the way, hi, Carla. Hi. Welcome. Welcome. Thanks so much for being here, and I'm really excited to talk to you. We've talked a little bit before, and there's so much to delve into. And, you know, the theme of the show is to understand how the outside makes the inside better. And... For a lot of people, it's how they personally develop their own outside habits. But I think for you and your, your medical background, nature is a really important piece to your professional side as well as your personal side. And what I'd like to do is just to give us a little bit about you and your background and how you got to where we are, and we'll continue with the rest. So I actually grew up in California and camping in the Sierra Nevada mountains every summer since I was five months old. Um, we went to Yosemite every year for two weeks and then often went up to the Redwoods again for a week or two. Um, so I consider Yosemite my spiritual home. Um, and <laughs> that's an emotional connection there. Um, and I have always had a love of the outdoors and through that, connection and we used to go camping like I said with my father every summer and then we started going backpacking when we were teenagers and I continued to do that and actually worked when I was at UC Berkeley or right after I graduated for Cal Adventures which is an outdoor adventure um, where we would take kids and college students you know backpacking and kayaking and on outdoor adventures and um and so anyway, I got into Chinese medicine when I was in college at UC Berkeley rowing. I rowed crew and I rowed with the U.S. development team actually also and had some injuries that the Western doctors were like, well, you're just going to have to live with the pain for the rest of your life. And I'm like, mm, that doesn't sound right <laughs> at 19, 20 years old. So I actually was able to get chiropractic care, massage and acupuncture through my father's insurance at the time, and wow. they got me out of pain in a few weeks and gave me, you know, regular care throughout my athletic career at UC Berkeley. And I thought, well, this is really interesting, you know, and then I, at, on the U.S. development team, I saw a lot of athletes be injured who were not getting the, the comprehensive care that I created mm. for myself. And I said, well, somebody needs to go out there and help, you know, put more of this out into the world. And so I went back to the Acupressure Institute in Berkeley to learn about some of the techniques that had helped me um, and got an intro to Chinese medicine and was like, wow, you know, this is like internal medicine. And I was curious. So I eventually ended up getting, going back to acupuncture school and it really is my path. And it's the, it brings together, you know, the, the out, it brings together the environment because 
and, and I worked, like I was talking to you earlier about working for the state parks and doing prescribed burns and managing the forest. Um, I did environmental science and geography at Berkeley and, and worked with environmental restoration. But, you know, when you're then coming to healthcare and you're helping people with maintaining their own health, right, mm -hmm. and being able to have that connection. So in Chinese medicine, it's based on the fact that we are standing on the planet in the universe and we're intimately connected to our environment. And our health is a reflection of what's happening out in our environment, in our, in our environment. So, you know, what's, what's happening around us affects our inner health. So that outside is affecting the inside, right? Mm -hmm. So it's really a great way to apply, you know, nature and physics and, whatever to the human body and say, oh, well, you know, this is happening because this is out of balance for you. So in a hologram, Chinese medicine, you know, is you observe the water cycle. So you have the five elements of fire, water, metal, earth, and wood. And, you know, the, the water is coming up out of the earth through the trees, through the wood to the up. And I can show you a picture of that up to the sun. And then it forms clouds and it rains down onto the earth. And then the earth you know, there's processes in the earth with the volcanoes and things moving where it gets changed back into um, minerals and then the water springs forth from the minerals and you have the whole cycle. And so mm -hmm. that, that reflection is what we use to like diagnose our patients. We're like, okay, well, what's that of balance? Is it the wood? Is it the water? Is it the earth, um, the metal or the fire? And how do we bring you back into balance? Um, uh, how fortunate you were, though, to be able to take your situation and your injury in school and almost down a traditional medical path, but you were able to integrate all of this, and it really changed your, your outlook and where you were headed, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. So do you, when you're talking about integrating the different aspects and really trying to to figure out what's out of balance, how hard is that? Or what's the oh, most complicated part? Or, I don't even know if that's a question. <laughs> well, so, so there, everything, is, it, fits into, it fits into a pattern, you know, where you're really looking at, well, what, you know, like if somebody has edema, it's like then your body's not moving water the way it's supposed to, right, or processing water. So then you're going to look at the organs that are moving water, like the kidneys. Mm -hmm. um, and heart actually, and mm. going, okay, how come, how come there's water stuck in your legs and not up in your chest? Or why is there water uh, in your neck? And if you have, if you have edema or, um, if things are, if things are really hot and dry in the body, like they get when, you know, things burn up in the, in the forest, right? Mm -hmm. How does that affect your, your skin and your organs? And why are you not holding on to water, for instance? So then you need minerals that can hold on to water and nourish what we call the yin. So in Chinese medicine, it all comes down to yin and yang. So mm -hmm. yang being more um, fire, action, hot, and yin is sort of cool, dense, dark, and still, right? And we go through cycles every day. Like at night, we go, we go to sleep and everything goes into the dark and it's quiet. And then it gets nourished and replenished for the next day. So you have the yang to go out and do your adventures and your work, um, you know, and then you need to come back and, 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 and bring all of your energy back in 
to be replenished mm-hmm. and nourished for the next day. And so if you're not sleeping, mm-hmm. uh, then you're not, your yang isn't being replenished and then you don't have enough to do what you want to do. Um, and so is it because there's not enough yin to nourish the yang or is it because the yang is excessive and it keeps bouncing up, right? And wake, waking up at night when it's supposed to be still. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so there's a, there's a pattern that's supposed to be happening and you have to look for, okay, well, which pattern, which, what's, what's out of balance? You know, do we need to nurture yin or do we need to subdue the yang? Or mm-hmm. do we need to, you know, nurture the yang and the yin? Um, and depending on your age, you know, that's going to that's gonna play into it too and how you live your life. So in Chinese medicine, you want to be, one, you really want to be connected to nature and your environment because what's happening out there is going to affect you. And mm-hmm. then you also want to be having a balanced life. So everything in moderation, like eating different types of foods, like not even eating the same thing every day or having the same habits. And if you go to like Western science, they'll go, well, yeah, you know, your brain is going to keep producing new neurons and, you know, stay alive if you change things up, right? And your body's Mm -hmm. ability to respond is going to be better if you're changing what it's getting every day, Um, right? Changing the protein, changing the fruits and veggies, changing... Your pattern. And that's hard. That's really hard. Yeah, it's, it's really hard. easy to eat the same thing all the time. I know this because I, I do it really well. <laughs> yeah. But that's not how your body, if you want to have an optimum ability to respond, like, you know, it's kind of like if you're out hiking and you have to like hop over some rocks or you have to go through a marshy meadow and you got to pick your path, like that ability to, to respond to changes um, in your life and in your environment comes when you also, you know, feed yourself different things and mm-hmm. um, have different habits, like brushing your teeth with a different hand, you know. Um, so cultivating kind of oh, being well-rounded by, you know, not drinking too much, not staying up too late, getting enough sleep are all principles that guide it. And in Chinese medicine, we're also, you know, there's a, you have a purpose in, in, in incarnating on the planet in this lifetime. And it might take you till the very end of your life to fulfill your purpose. So you want to stay as healthy as you can for as long as you can. So you want to develop habits that, Mm -hmm. that keep you healthy rather than like burning everything out in your twenties and thirties and then burning in your passion burn for the rest of the time. And I think that's really fascinating to the, the well-roundedness and the importance of being well-rounded because, you know, we, there's talk of being well-rounded in your professional career and making sure that, you know, your resume is well-rounded and all these aspects are covered. But honestly, that's not even the most important part. And we're skipping the, the personal reflection in what's supposed to happen outside of work or in our personal lives in order to, and it's, it's all interconnected, but the well-roundedness, I think, is what we're really, as a culture, are missing the mark, don't you? Yeah, because we're, we're so in America, we're very, we, we say, you know, we're very young, we're very wood element, we're like out there at taking action all the time. And, you know, we are at the cutting edge of like, the people who come here, the settlers who came here from Europe were people who wanted to change their life, right? They wanted to change their you know, living in a system where, you know, the plumber had to become a plumber or the carpenter had to become a carpenter or the farmer became a farmer, mm-hmm. you know, they, to be able to like jump out of that or up level your life or do something different, you know, you had to come to America. Um, but at the same time, you know, you also, you know, not everyone is driven to 
you know, create change in the world um, on that level, right? And, and But even those people have to be able to replenish, mm-hmm. and take rest, um, take, take time out to balance, you know, and, you know, even through the Industrial Revolution where people were working like 80-hour weeks and they're like, okay, well, we're not getting production past 40 hours a week, so... You know, we really have to, that's where the 40-hour work we came. And now they're even saying, you know, it should really be even less than that, right? Well, I'm okay with that. 30 <laughs> hours, a, four to six hours a day. You're more efficient if you're, you know, working four to six hours than trying to work eight hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what's really hard, too, is we talked about this the other day, is blocking off time and and forcing yourself to do those other things, because I think we're, we're so used to getting up, going to work, you know, taking in the middle of all this, taking care of your family, going to work, coming home, doing it over again, doing it over and doing it over. And then Saturday comes and we either crash or try to squish in everything that we wanted to do all week long into two days. And then you're exhausted and you go to work on, on Monday. Right. So, so even, even taking a break, like, even taking a five-minute break in your day to close your eyes, reset your brain, five minutes of just disengaging from what's in front of you will actually reset your brain and allow you to learn something new. So they've you know, done studies where it's like you don't learn, absorb new information after 50 minutes. So if you're in school or in a class, you're supposed to take a 10-minute break. And you don't want to just be talking to people. And I found this in school with a three-hour class. If I took that break and I just laid down, you know, outside in the grass or something and closed my eyes for five minutes, then I could stay awake for the next hour and a half in class. So only five minutes will make that much difference. Yes, only five minutes will make that much difference. And so here's the challenge, though, right now in this culture is what do you do for that five minutes? So it's so easy and we're so habit driven that we pull out our phone for five minutes and that doesn't count. Nope. That makes it worse. So you should take an extra 10 minutes for that five minutes. Close your eyes and go inward. Mm -hmm. So this is the yin, right? You've been been doing the yang stuff and doing, doing, and then you go to yin. You go inward. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when you've been putting a lot of energy out in the world, like I, we take, we take the pulses. So you can feel in three different positions at three different levels, which corresponds to the 12 channels where the energy is running through. Because we're Mm -hmm. just an electromagnetic field with these energy centers like the chakras are energy centers and there's acupuncture points that are energy centers and we can feel, and I can, I can ask people by feeling their pulse, I can go, Oh, you know, your kidney and bladder pulse is a little low. I'm like, have you been putting a lot of energy out in the world? Like, are you doing a lot? You know, or if their small intestine pulse is low, small intestine is about sorting, right? The small intestine in our body decides what to absorb food wise or not. And it tags things, you know, with antigens saying, this is okay. And this isn't. And, you know, when you've been sorting, like maybe you're moving your house and you're going through all your papers, you know, you can feel that in, in that organ and I'll be like, oh, so have you been doing a lot of sorting recently or, <laughs> wow, or you can feel, you know, it's wiry on the kidney, kidney, which, or bladder, which corresponds to your back. And it's like, oh, do you have back pain? Or, you know, sometimes people don't tell me stuff, but I can look and see, you know, and hear in their stories. So in in Chinese medicine, we're observing you from the moment you walk in the door. Like, how are you walking? What's the color Mm -hmm. on your face? Do you look pale, um, yellow, ashy, red, green? (laughs) Um, And what's the sound in your voice? And what's the story that you're telling? And all of that plays into the five-element diagnosis. 
So, so not the typical 10-minute doctor appointment for you. Now, you have to see me, for your first appointment is two to three hours. Wow. And so what do you cover? What's that? So what do you cover in an, in an initial appointment? How does that go? So I do traditional health history, um, and then I'm also observing and hearing the story. Um, it just depends, you know, what people are coming in. Sometimes they think they're coming in for one thing. And if, if it's a simple musculoskeletal injury or, you know, they got a cold or their immune system, they're feeling run down. That's one thing, but a lot of times people are coming in for multiple things because they're often not coming until things get worse, right? And Chinese medicine, while it can bring you back and treat, you know, acute things, it's also great for prevention because um, when you're main, doing maintenance, like I, I get people who come in who are key patrollers from Squire, like, oh, you know, our joints are getting achy after 50 years of, you know, getting up at 5 a.m. and doing avalanche control and I'm like well you need to do some maintenance like you need to warm the muscles up and you know do some jumping around in the morning and massage your legs and your knees and you know maybe you should go to yoga and 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 after three months they were like wow you know we really notice when we miss our yoga class and, mm. and and we're here for maintenance you know we're here for our acupuncture and now we're getting some massage and so doing self-care um you know so so in Chinese medicine we're really supposed to actually see the illness or see the imbalances before the patient gets sick. Really? Yeah. So if you're paying attention, if you, so through, through going inward, through this going into the yin spaces and connecting with your body and going in and talking to it, you know, talking mm -hmm. to yourselves and your heart and your stomach that is upset today because of something you ate, like, okay, well, what is this? What is it about? Um, you'll get answers. And if you're paying attention to your body, you'll notice when things start to go off a little bit, mm. right? And that's when you can prevent things from going down a disease path, right? By bringing someone back. Um, so you're also teaching people to understand signals in their own body. Uh -huh. Yeah. And to be aware. So, you know, a lot of my patients have learned that, oh, when let, we need to call you right away, not wait for something to get worse. Right. Mm -hmm. So like I had a lady who had come for a car accident and we worked on neck pain, some other things. And then her grandkids bought her a tablet and she was using it and she kind of got carpal tunnel because she was overusing. And she called me right away and was like, well, I want, let's get a treatment. And in two sessions, it was better. Right. Mm -hmm. So versus if she had waited, it might've taken 10 or 15 sessions. Mm -hmm. know, yeah. And, so, and there's, there's such a disconnect. Or correct me if I'm wrong, too. Yeah. There seems to be such a disconnect from traditional medicine here and the Chinese medicine that you practice. Yeah. Isn't there? Yeah. Well, in traditional that's fair to say they're they're really being trained to just they're not looking for the root cause. They're mm -hmm. usually throwing pharmaceuticals at you for the symptoms um, and they're suppressing symptoms rather than looking at, well, what's the root cause? So sometimes we're going to have to treat by suppressing symptoms and treating the root cause, underlying cause. And we're going to look at, okay, let's say you come in with joint pain and you have arthritis. Well, you know, we're going to give you some anti-inflammatory herbs and analgesic herbs to treat the arthritis and acupuncture also treats pain because it's, um, you know, doing different things in your body, producing endorphins and mm -hmm. you know, out of sympathetic stress mode into parasympathetic mode, which is going to change a whole host of physiological symptoms. Um, but then we're going to go, okay, well, what, let's look at your diet. You know, what are you eating that's contributing to inflammation? 
What kind mm. of habits do you have that are contributing to inflammation and how do we calm that down? Um, so I have like this 30 day reset diet, you know, that I'll put people on and 80% of the time people can see right away, you know, by eliminating the top inflammatory foods that things are better. And in China, they'll actually, they all grow herbs in their gardens and, you know, in the winter, they'll throw astragalus and um, immune boosting herbs into the chicken soup, right? And then in the springtime, they're going to put more basil and in summer, basil and cilantro and kind of herbs that are more cooling and that are going to help you digest hot food better. Um, you know, so they're changing what they're putting in their food seasonally to help digestion, to help the body respond um, mm -hmm. changes in their environment and the weather. And, and they're also, and that's, they're probably also living more to the cycle of the, the sun and the moon yeah. correctly. Right. So, so we say, you know, in the summer, you get up early and you stay up late. And then in the winter, you're supposed to go to bed early and get up late. Mm -hmm. you know? But our cycle doesn't allow for that. Now, when you live in the mountains where I live, you know, it's cold and dark at four o'clock. And mm -hmm. we kind of all go inside and we don't really want to go out, especially if it's snowing or icy. It's like, okay, well, we need to get into a car accident. You know, it's like, yeah. you don't need to go out. You don't go out and you don't see people as much. But in the summer, you see people all the time. I do. I, I can I can understand that quite well because I'm from Maine and it's dark as a pocket at four o'clock in the afternoon. So, so we're not gonna <laughs> there's not much to do. <laughs> but in California, you know, especially here in, in Truckee, where we're in the eastern part of the time zone, you know, it, the sunrise in June, it, the sun will rise at 430 in mm -hmm. the morning and it's light until nine at night. You know, mm -hmm. I'll come in the summer, I'll ride my bike up Donner Summit, you know, after work, you know, at 730, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, um, it's amazing. So, but you know, in the winter, I'm not doing. I'm like, okay, I'm home at at seven. <laughs> so, um, so what are what are your do your activities change? Of course, this is a silly question, partly because where you are, winter does change right. the the climate. But how do your activities change seasonally, and is that something that you that affects how you feel too? Um, sure. I mean. For sure, like November, when usually there's no snow, but it's dark and cold, so riding your bike is a little cold. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you know, we actually will like go down to Nevada City and ride our bikes, or mm -hmm. go down to Reno and ride our bikes. Um, so definitely activities change. Um, I do swim every day in a pool. I, I was a swimmer as a child, and I love swimming. And getting in the water for me. Um, actually helps my brain work better. I mean, even if it's a 10 or 20 minute swim, everything shifts as far as like getting in the water. And, and the water is, you know, this calming, calming mm -hmm. thing where you're connecting. And cleansing. Yeah, it's cleansing. So, and then in the summer, you know, I'm jumping into lakes and rivers every day, two or three times a day because it's hot and I get hot pretty easy. So I need to cool off. <laughs> so, like, so when you're dealing when you're dealing with clients and there's there's an energy exchange that that can happen between people and what do you do for yourself to to prevent absorbing energy from your clients so that's all about being connected okay to the earth and to the universe so as in chinese medicine i'm going to stand up we're standing on the planet like this Mm -hmm. right? So your arms are receiving from heaven, mm -hmm. and 
bringing it to the earth, and then the energy from the earth is going up out into the universe, okay? So we're receiving information. So if you think about it, um, the sunlight is made up of um, light waves that have biophotons. Mm -hmm. We have biophotons in every single one of our cells. And those biophotons are coming in like DNA, and they're bringing information to the cells, right, and to the earth. And we really are driven by the sun, right? We are light beings. Mm -hmm. And so when you're connected, then anything that's coming in or out from your clients is going down. You know, I'm visualizing that as, I, as people come in or as I'm working on them, I'm connected and their energy is, maybe it's going through me or maybe it's going, you know, through my energy field down into the earth. But grounding. Right. And then whatever they're, they're here to get from me, I'm receiving messages for them. And mm -hmm. some of them are going to come through the needles and some of them are going to come through the interaction. Mm -hmm. um, and some people are more or less responsive. So if you're more sensitive to energy or to things going on around you, and if you're more connected, you know, you're going to feel and see things that an average person, you know, who hasn't developed those abilities, which we all have, has not seen. And, and part of what we're doing with acupuncture is reconnecting you on that level. So we're see, we exist in more than the physical body. We exist in a physical body, an energetic body, spiritual body, an ancestor body, where we're connected in the collective consciousness to everyone else, right? Mm -hmm. Ancestors. And then, you know, where is, the, where is the disharmony or the imbalance coming up for you in your health issues? It's manifesting in the physical because your physical body is a communication device between your higher self and the collective consciousness right? And, and, your, and your, your conscious self. And so, so a lot of times with pain or injuries or illness, it's like, okay, well, what is this? Is it internalized emotion that turned into illness? Mm -hmm. So for instance, with cancer, uh, that's the, it's an it's a accumulation of dampness or a cyst or something like that. The accumulation of dampness in the Chinese text is the failure to eliminate the inessential from the past, which becomes a burden that appears the present moment. That's deep. Mm -hmm. So this is, you come into Chinese medicine class and your teacher drops one of those on you or says blood holds memory. Wow. As does water. Water holds memory. At every place water has been on the planet, it carries an imprint of what it's contacted. Okay. How do you measure that? The air that we breathe. I was listening to a, a great talk by, uh, I think it was Peter Fonda at the Bioneers Conference. The Bioneers are these people who are like taking the environment and how we're living in it. And he was driving somewhere and seeing smokestacks putting air, you know, pollution into the air and realizing that that same air was the air he was breathing, right? We're all breathing the air molecules that have been here and all the stuff that's been put in them and we're drinking the water and it has memory. Um, wow. So there's an imprint that can be accessed. So everything on the planet, you know, a tree, carrots, fish, you know, everything that we eat has consciousness to share with us. Right. So mm. if you're in, if we're, if we're conscious and aware in every moment, which, you know, we can be, get distracted by this three-dimensional world that we live mm -hmm. in, um, then we can have an awareness about what's coming in and how it can help us. Um, the awareness piece, I think, is 
that's a huge word for only a short, short word, short letters. But I, and I think that for me, I personally am challenged with social media, mm-hmm. no doubt about it. And the draw that it has and the lack of being present and how you have to force yourself to be present. And that brings me to that awareness word, right? And how disconnected we all are and how different it is than it was before social media. Right. Or before computers or cell phones. That's yeah, exactly. When yeah. I went to UC Berkeley, there was one computer lab with 50 computers and you had to sign up two weeks in advance for a two hour time slot to go write your paper on the computer. Oh, wow. I wrote all my papers on a typewriter. Mm-hmm. Okay. I wrote a few my last year on those computers. That was in my last year in 1988. Okay. There was no cell phones. There mm-hmm. were just starting to have pagers. Um, so you know, the importance of connecting to the planet and to the earth is, is, is the root of Chinese medicine. And it's really, really important for us right now in this age of electronics and connection to, mm-hmm. to go out and walk barefoot on the earth. So there's a great movie called Earthing and another one called Grounded about this practice, mm-hmm. right, of walking barefoot for 30 minutes a day or laying you know, on the grass or laying in a river up in the mountains, um, you know, sand on the beach with bare skin because that's mm-hmm. where the ions are being, you know, the negative ions and the hydrogen molecules are being exchanged. I always body. thought that was interesting that being barefoot had a term because when, you know, when I, I was growing up and when my kids were growing up, not having your shoes on was normal (laughs) and being outside barefoot was normal. I was actually talking to a friend of mine today and she was talking about her gardening. She lives up in Crescent city and she was talking about gardening. And I remembered that when, when uh, my kids were little and we, and I was rototilling the garden every spring, the two kids would be literally rolling in the dirt. Uh It's that, that spring and that need to get dirty and that need to cleanse yourself in the dirt if you will. And they just instinctively, it just happened. Right. And they so, love being in the water too. Like mm-hmm. they don't care how cold it is. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, exactly. Like babies who want to jump in Lake Tahoe in the winter. And it's like, yeah. 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 So that being barefoot and being outside for me, being outside and in the trees and just, it's so necessary to just reconnect either you're reconnect, reconnecting with yourself or you're just reconnecting right. with everything around you too. And I want to switch gears just a little bit because you, we were talking the other night and it was incredibly fascinating. And you were talking about your work with pregnant women. Uh-huh. And can you touch on that a little bit? Because I think that I was so amazed. Uh-huh. Okay. So, I mean, I have specialties in a number of different things. So as, a, as an acupuncturist, I'm licensed as a primary care provider. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to give a little background. I have, you know, the equivalent Western medicine education as a doctoral level nurse practitioner. Um, the only license above mine is an MD. I don't do surgery, but I can diagnose Western medicine and I can evaluate from that Western perspective. But then I evaluate from the Chinese medicine perspective and I treat with acupuncture, herbal medicine, diet. Um, and the things that we talked about. So one of the specialties that kind of found me um, was fertility and obstetrics, which I didn't necessarily think I was going to go into, but I had a fertility patient who came and she had been to a fertility clinic in Colorado where the fertility doctors really do like working with acupuncturists because as they say, we produce better eggs and sperm. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> people are seeing us and taking herbs, their their IVF clinic results are better. Really? Wow. As much as for women over 38, as much as 50% better results with IVF or assisted reproductive. That's a huge percentage increase. It's huge. Um, and even they've done studies where they've said anyone who's participating in Chinese medicine, you know, doing acupuncture and herbs and diet um, changes that we would recommend during trying to get pregnant, they, they're twice as likely to get pregnant if they're doing that at the same time. Wow. So, and then, and then um, she, the woman wanted me to be at her birth and I actually am credentialed at the local hospital and I have privileges to do acupuncture for patients in the hospital if they oh, wow. want me to. So if my patients are there, they can call me and the doctor can write an order or maybe they have a patient who's requesting it. They can write an order and they'll call us and say, can you come in? So I, um, she said, oh, well, yeah, I'd, I'd like you to come, you know, when, if the pain gets too bad. So she called, her sister called and said, can you come? And, and I said, yeah, sure. So I came and, um, and the baby, the nurse said the baby was in a posterior position, um, <laughs> or funny side up. And so the baby was having a few heart decelerations and her oxygen tests were dropping and mom was having more pain because it was posterior back labor. And so I put some points in her ear for pain and her pain level dropped immediately. And I put the points in for, we have points for optimum position for the baby, right? And I, I texted my teacher and I said, hey, are these turn the baby points going to work right away? <laughs> and she's like, can you do box on? I'm like, well, not in the hospital. She's like, okay, put a tag in there. I'm like, okay. So I put uh, some needles in for optimum position. And within 10 minutes, the baby turned over. And wow. you can see on the monitors, like the heart rate went up and the oxygen stats went up. And I was like, this is fun. Like, <laughs> um, so it was really interesting because babies are very tuned in energetically, you know, to mm -hmm. their mother, but also to the whole universe. Mm -hmm. They're aware. They have that awareness and connection of, of coming from, you know, this bigger perspective. So they're very responsive. Like when I work with pregnant women, I put needles in, babies are moving around. That's amazing. Getting active. So um, I've treat, I treat and manage, you know, all kinds of conditions in pregnancy. So I've done a couple of specialty certificates in my doctorate program with three different um, teachers, a midwife acupuncturist, uh, Raven Lang, and, um, and then a woman from New Zealand who's actually a nurse practitioner acupuncturist. And she actually worked with the New Zealand healthcare system. And they use midwives in a lot of other countries in the hospitals to do deliveries. And she was able to teach all the midwives to do acupuncture during for labor and delivery. Wow. Um, and so she's inter lectures internationally. And um, so I use, you know, their techniques and I've treated women with preeclampsia, managed to get preeclampsia cases, kept people's blood pressure down during the pregnancy and during labor, worked with some high risk pregnancies and, like inner uterine growth, growth restriction, um, and then also do postpartum care and work mm -hmm. with babies postpartum too, because babies really respond. We do a lot of massage and acupressure, but sometimes we use needles too. And, um, and so the postpartum part for the mother too is probably very effective and important as well, correct? For her yeah, mental well-being? I mean, at, if you have children, as you know, you're probably, when you have that baby, you're like in baby land and it's all about the baby. And so usually moms are not reaching out unless the husband reaches out, the partner reaches out, or things get really crunchy. But 
you know, I really try to include, you know, postpartum visit um, with my birth packages so that, you know, people are coming for, um, for prenatal care um, prior to birth, especially in the last trimester, you know, I treat everything from osteoskeletal conditions to, you know, illness, upper respiratory infections, um, acid reflux, um, nausea. I mean, acupuncture is medically indicated for nausea and hyperemesis in pregnancy, where if you get the, the constant nausea and vomiting, and that usually we can treat that in a few sessions. And That's get amazing. Down. That's amazing. So I have to switch gears again because we have a question in the live chat. Are you ready? <laughs> the question is, what would you recommend for heart attack survivors? For heart attack survivors? Um, so, you know, these days, it's, you can really um, live for a long time after. My father had two heart attacks and a bypass surgery. And in, you know, in his 40s, 50s, and 60s, and then he lived until 80 and died of dementia. So, um, but he, every time you know, he changed his life. So he was a smoker after the first heart attack, he quit smoking, cleaned up his diet. You know, the second one, you know, he went all organic and <laughs> cut out sugar. So, you know, heart attacks, heart disease is more than just physical. It's also about injury, emotional injury to the heart. Mm. So really getting into what is it that, you know, what is it with the heart that, you know, is trapped emotionally, or if there was trauma in childhood, um, maybe you weren't responded to by your parents in some way that you needed to be. Um, and, and I will say for my father, that was the case too. Um, mm -hmm. he had an alcoholic father who used to beat him up. And then he had rheumatic fever when he was 17. Um, but he was a very, you know, sweet, compassionate person gentle person. So that was very traumatizing for him. And um, he ended up being, um, having, you know, having a lot of things that were happening for him. And he started healing that later in his life, you know, healed all the family relationships. Um, and that really made, you know, his heart disease improve, right? So what, what's really interesting that I'm hearing and with especially with you describing your dad's story and your dad's journey is that in the in the traditional medicine world the the answer would be fairly it could be very similar from person to person uh -huh. to treat heart disease but on but in a chinese medicine world you can't answer that question for just one person without understanding so many different aspects that I, I come into play the, yeah we need to know the whole picture of like what's what's this person's life like what's their personality like how is their job and their personality playing into their health right mm -hmm. so if you look at somebody like there's a cardiologist named Stephen Gundry who does all nutritional supplements now he used to do heart surgery and he had one patient who came to him who was referred by another cardiologist because he had 90 percent blockage and was overweight and they said we can't even do surgery on you you know you're too, too high risk so he went, changed his diet, went to the nutrition store and had people give him supplements and stuff. And he came back six months later and said, hey, do another, you know, do another um, angiogram, you know, on me. And, and, and Gundry saw that his blockages had been reduced by 50% with his diet oh and he'd lost 50 pounds. And he went, well, hey, wait a minute. You know, instead of like intervening with heart surgery, you know, 
now, later, when everything's bad, why don't we just prevent, okay, this is Chinese medicine, prevent mm -hmm. a heart disease from forming in the first place. So mm -hmm. we have a lot of habits in our, in our culture that contribute to inflammation. And what they know now about the blockages is it's not about the cholesterol. It's about, it's about inflammation. And then the cholesterol is sticking to the inflammation. Okay, mm -hmm. so if you don't have the inflammation, the cholesterol doesn't stick there. We actually need the saturated fats. We need the cholesterol for our brain. Um, so what is it that you're doing, you know, that you need to change? And Gundry went through the same thing because he also was overweight. He was a Seventh-day Adventist, so he's a vegetarian. Mm -hmm. But he had to change his diet and include some saturated fats and fish. He eats more of a Mediterranean diet now. Mm -hmm. Did the supplements, and then he was able to actually lose weight. Um, and also realize the stress, you know, being cardiothoracic surgeon, um, reducing stress, having more balance in your life. So building that in first, rather than waiting until your body is like uh, crisis mode, mm -hmm. <laughs> Western intervention now, Western medicine is really good at saving us when we are on the edge. Okay, mm -hmm. a car accident, you need surgery, you're having a heart attack, you know, Absolutely, there's a, there's a place for Western medicine, but it's not necessarily going to help you get your life back, um, back to a balance or to normal. Um, and it, you know, will kind of dismiss um, certain things. Like I pretty much try to get all my patients off of alcohol and coffee. Both of those things um, are inflammatory and create oxidant, oxidative states in the body that will contribute to deterioration long-term. Um, yeah. And everyone I get off of it feels better and is amazed at how much more energy they have mm -hmm. <laughs> and how much better, you know, how much healthier they feel. So, um, you know, you want to look at all these things and that's not to say you can never have it, but maybe, Moderation. You're, having, maybe you're having one glass or one cup once a week. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, instead as a treat mm -hmm. <laughs> and and then and then we also say every once in a while you do need to experience the extremes right so that you know where your balance is where your middle point is and that's going to change throughout your life as well it's really interesting i've had personally i've had um, some experience with chinese medicine and um acupuncture mm -hmm. uh and but i've learned so much today and so I really, really. Well, they're all different. Where there's yeah. a lot of different styles of acupuncture, and I practice a lot of different styles. I learned from teachers who use different styles. Some some acupuncturists only use one style. Um, I also worked with a lot of naturopaths and holistic MDs, so I bring in you know kind of naturopathic medicine, functional medicine testing, mm -hmm. a lot of herbs and supplement, Western supplements as well as Chinese herbs. Mm -hmm. um, so. Um, you know, that's why it takes a little longer. I spend a little more time. I explain a lot to people. Um, so as one of my friends says, sometimes you'll get a lot more information than you were really wanting. <laughs> um, sometimes people don't want to hear or they don't want to change. I think people need to bring a recorder so that they can digest what you're saying and then go back and listen to it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that I probably need to come up the hill to see you. That's for sure. <laughs> um, there's always something. Yeah, before we before we go, and I really, again, I really appreciate you coming out here on the first official podcast and, and sharing your story, but tell me where people can find you and how, how, does, how does that happen and what's a good way to get in touch with you? So I, I'm up, I have my office up in Truckee right now. 
Um, I was practicing down in Carson City, but I'm not doing that right now. I'm, I'm looking to open a, a office in Reno, but that's not mm -hmm. happening yet. So I do have a website, joyfullifeacupuncture.com. And, and then you can give my phone number, which is 530-386-4851. And the best way to reach me is actually to text me just because our cell reception up here is limited. And, you know, when I'm with patients, I'm spending time with them and I'm focused mm -hmm. on them. So um, answering phones in the office isn't so convenient. So uh, texting mm -hmm. is just better um, or email. Okay. And, um, and I do do, you know, phone and um, Zoom consults as well if people are further away. So I have patients who've been here, who've moved and who continue to call me um, if they have health issues that come up and um, ask for help. And I do ship herbs and prescriptions okay. all over okay. the place, including Europe and <laughs> all over the U.S. And we'll make sure we put your contact information in the show notes, too. Okay. And so one last question before we go. So what does your, and I, it's probably, this is going to be a long list, I, get, I bet. So what does, what does the rest of the week look like for you outside? Well, I actually, it's my birthday on Friday. Oh, happy birthday. I'm going to be 58. Um, uh, we might have something in common. I'm not going to, I'm not going to admit to that in public, but I think I might have. Um, I actually have a reservation at the Benton Hot Springs. That's right. We talked about that. Yes. So that, that takes like, they're booked out like a year in advance. So I had to book it like nine months ago and they happen to have that weekend open. So I'm going to go down, I'm going to go down tomorrow. I'm actually... I swim every day, so I'm going to go swim and skate through the last bit of cross-country skate skiing out there. That's really good, you know, spring conditions for that. And then I'm going to pack up my car and take my backcountry skis and the skate skis and go down and stay on the east side there and see what's, you know, go to Mammoth and maybe, mm -hmm. maybe see, maybe see if they're going to, I don't know when they're going to open the Tioga Pass Road. Usually it's the last uh, weekend in April. Um, see what's down there. Although the Sierra snowpack's pretty thin this year, especially in the southern part. Mm -hmm. um, so probably not much backcountry skiing available. Um, but usually you can find something to hike up to. I mean, I, I've hiked up, I've gone to Tioga Pass in July and hiked up to some snow patch just to, just for the heck of skiing in July. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So That's awesome. I need to get some mountain time. <laughs> I understand that. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you again. It's been a pleasure talking with you. And, and I, um, I look forward to more conversations. And is there anything else that you'd like to add before we, before we head out? Uh, no, well, I just want to say, you know, I want everybody to get out and connect to nature and check out the movie Earthing, because that'll tell you something about, you know, this is like bringing the science into it. But in Chinese medicine, we already have that sort of world all-encompassing view of our connection and and it's very mapped out it's, it's not so esoteric you know as it seems it's very it's very mapped out into how what's out of balance and how you correct it um and you know go out and do some self-care <laughs> wonderful well thank you thanks again and thanks, thanks for everybody for listening and we'll be back here again in two weeks from today on the 21st at three o'clock pacific time and so i look forward to talking with everybody then thanks a lot have a great day carla Bye.